Hi, I'm Kathy Bixell and welcome to It's a Beautiful Life. I'm so grateful that you could be with us again today for our broadcast. I know that uh, it is very hot and humid and steamy here in the Northeast. We're having a full-fledged Northeast summer here and uh, I'm grateful that you could join us wherever you are by being refreshed, taking some time to be refreshed by the water of the Word. I would like to begin today in Psalm 23, a passage of scripture that we're all, most of us are pretty familiar with. If we've been to anyone's funeral, uh, we have probably uh, heard it, but actually it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a, a, a Psalm that was written uh, for a funeral. Actually, uh, there's, I, I won't get into it today, but there's a great history to the Psalm that uh, really has nothing to do with funerals, but was penned from the heart of David as he had been banned from his kingdom when his son, one of his sons rebelled against him and he was out in the wilderness uh, all by himself and, uh, you know, had lost his palace and, and everything and also the betrayal of his own family and wrote this psalm uh, in, in response to the emotions that he was experiencing uh, through that event. But here in Psalm 23, uh, and most of us are familiar with, as I said before, with the, the gist of the psalm, but it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It's this term that David uses, he restores my soul, that I want to focus on today because having an understanding of the need for our soul to be restored is vital in our um, journey to recovering from disappointment. In the voice translation, this uh, passage of scripture reads, the eternal is my shepherd. He cares for me always. He provides me rest in rich green fields beside streams of refreshing water. He soothes my fears. He makes me whole again. That word, uh, Whole, or how he's describing this is he makes me whole again is actually a greater understanding of the Hebrew word for restore, our English word restore, which means to renew, to make whole again, and means to repair. It's so important for us to understand that when we walk through any kind of trauma in our lives, and you might say, uh, ask me, well, what would be, what would be traumatic you know we we use we hear that word in uh, you know in the medical field we hear it in our in and actually in our culture like post traumatic stress disorder like that's you know veterans that have been in the war experience that um, so what are you talking about are you using a term trauma uh, to describe something else well yes i am because many of us go through you know we may not have gone to vietnam to fight but we've we have um, endured trouble or trial of our own faith, and we've had to war in our own uh, in our own lives. We've had battles, right? You know, we we use that term uh, to describe our our good fight of faith. That you know, we'll say, "Well, I've had a battle with cancer, or I'm having a battle with my teenagers, um, or my my prodigal children, or I I'm having a quote battle in my finances, or our church is experiencing a, a battle." What, you know, we use that terminology and because the fact is that Jesus said in this life, you will have tribulation. You know, we've talked about that on that, on this broadcast before, but what many of us don't realize is that when we go through these type of situations and battles, um, that 
afterwards, there's some repair that needs to be done because, you know, sometimes when you're in a battle, you take a hit. You know, I, I have, um, very close friends of mine that, you know, are over the past year have, uh, several friends of mine actually that have had to, uh, work through the changes around caring for their um, their loved ones, their parents, their aging parents, and what that means. I recently had a, a very dear friend of mine had to put her um, father in a nursing home, and what that means for a family to have to take a loved one out of an environment and uh, put him in a different environment. Others who've uh, I know that have received you know bad reports concerning their physical bodies, or others who have uh, lost their job. Whatever that is, we don't realize that we can suffer uh, the results of that of that trauma and it has an impact on our soul now as born-again believers and we need to be reminded of this often and sometimes we know it intellectually but when it comes to walking out these things in our lives we forget that our spirit is what has been born again your soul when you accepted Jesus your spirit was born again but your soul which is the seat of the will the and and the emotions and the intellect has not been born again that is in the process the bible tells us of being renewed but there's also another word here that is the word repaired and restored many of us have to have the way we think renewed which we we all have heard messages on renewing our mind but what about the restoration of our soul and the healing of our emotions um, it's important to understand that we have to walk through that and we need to know or I want to share with you rather today uh, some things that I've learned in my life in moving past uh, areas or situations that would happen that would quote cause us to feel grief or loss or despair uh, one of the first things that um, that I know and that has worked in my life and and I believe it's it's uh, scriptural um, and and spiritual is that when you've gone through a situation that has really taken a lot of energy from you in terms of standing on the word and trusting the Lord and um, moving past the emotions that you feel whatever circumstance that is sometimes it's anger sometimes you know things happen and and we're angry and that that anger has an impact on our soul that we need to spend time in the Lord's presence I want you to know today that there is a supernatural power that is released in the presence of God to heal your damaged emotions the Lord's love for you is so fierce and so great there's no area of your life that is not of value to him and he doesn't want you to experience the long-term effects of having something been delayed or been a disappointment in your life um, or even uh, you know there, there's a, a, a reason why there is you know the psalmist wrote he heals the brokenhearted you know 
there's, you know, we think that just because we believe in the word of God and we believe in the power of the of faith in the word of God to bring restoration to our lives, that we can't talk about or be honest about these kind of experiences we go through as human beings in the earth. You know, Jesus said that he, he's our savior. And many of us, you know, we get so religious and bound up in these forms of how we're supposed to behave when something bad happens to us, how we're supposed to behave when a disappointment comes. But I think that we need to focus, you know, on, on worshiping the savior and, and keeping that relationship cultivated with the savior and keep the focus off our behavior, because that's where the freedom comes. That's where the deliverance come deliverance comes. Do you remember the day that you first got born again? You don't know how that happened. Well, I don't have to understand how I got born again, how God, you know, breathed into my spirit and made it new. I don't have to completely in my intellect understand that, but I know it happened. It was my experience. And I've also had the experience of the Lord healing and repairing my emotions so that I am whole and can begin to uh, lay a new track if that's uh, the term that I could use, lay a new track for my future of how I'm going to respond concerning those same type of events in the future and how I can see God in, in what I've experienced. I have a, and actually I'm, I'm going to be at some point here bringing on a guest, uh, to talk about this area of being restored from trauma, because it's, it's important for us as believers to know that we could be made whole and we could have good emotions. You know, we could have joy for despair. We can have peace for anguish and conflict. Those are ours in Christ Jesus, just as much as physical healing is ours in Christ Jesus. So, what happens often is that when we go through something or even uh, through our childhood and our um, in, in how we are raised or our life experiences, I think that's a better term, our life experiences, when, when we experience negative emotions through something, it lays a track. So it lays a track in our, in our brains. It lays a track in our soul. And so as we move forward in life, we begin to process things that happen to us. And we go on that train that that track has always, or we go on that track that that train has always been on. So let me give you an example. I have a, a very close minister friend of mine who was orphaned as a child. Um, he, you know, was, and en he ended up being raised by, by his grandmother and, you know, is a wonderful, you know, um, adult man now, a wonderful family man and great, wonderful man of God that I deeply respect. But he will tell you how even as an adult, that experience of feeling that there was no one to take care of you or feeling as if you were alone was something that, or rejected, that's an even stronger term, rejected, was something that uh, he even as an adult, he didn't realize that he responded to life situations and especially relationships based on that experience. So once he got in the word of God and began to see that God would never leave him or forsake him, that he could, he, and he began to experience what it means to truly be loved by God and to love others. He was transformed and went from glory to glory where now when circumstances happen in his life, 
he doesn't automatically process it through I'm, you know, I'm a loser. Uh, no one, you know, no one loves me. Life has been unfair to me. I'm going to be alone. I'm not going to be able to handle this and all that stress that accompanies that he's growing from glory to glory and not feeling the stress of having to take care of himself and do things for himself. He knows God can. So it's those kind of things that I'm talking about here. It's not just about um, I pray that you understand this. It's just not about taking the scriptures and the word of God in a religious way and by rote, just keep repeating them. This is about having a re revelation from the word of God and beginning to meditate on it and have it be not just memorize scriptures, but have it become infused in you as part of the DNA of who you are. And somehow supernaturally, when we do that, it it heals our soul. Our emotions get healed. Um, you know, our brain, many of us don't, you know, forget that our brain is an organ. It's like the heart, you know, your stress can impact your brain. Well, just as Jesus would heal a heart or a liver, or Jesus would heal your stomach, Jesus will heal your brain. And if your brain has been traumatized through loss, through despair, um, you know, you might be, a, and, and be a veteran out there listening and you have seen people die in battle, in real battle. The Lord wants to restore you. He wants to get beautiful, heavenly thoughts flowing through you so that you can begin to see the future that he has, that you don't always have to live in fear. You can live in peace. So when, when we read the Lord is my shepherd, he restores my soul. So we know that it happens through our meditation in the word, but it also happens as we come into the presence of God. I uh, read this scripture last week. It was, uh, I thought it was so wonderful. It's in Psalm 138 verse three. And it, he, he said here, and I may have, uh, actually, read this to you on a prior broadcast, but it's so good. I'm, I'm going to read it again. Uh, he said, David said, at that very moment, I called out to you when, when he was in the pit of despair, at that very moment, I called out to you, you answered me, you strengthened me deep within my soul and breathed fresh courage into me. See, I believe that there's someone out there today that you, you just need fresh courage to make it through one more day, just to put one foot in front of the other today, just to put one foot in the other, in front of the other feels like it's going to take all the energy you have. Well, I encourage you to go into the presence of the Lord, come to Dr. Jesus and, you know, turn on a CD and don't necessarily, you know, feel like you have to have these perfect prayers or you have to have this perfect way of, of talking to God. Just pour out your heart before him. One of my favorite Bible people, Bible people is uh, Hannah, Samuel's mother, the prophet Samuel's mother. And she just pours poured out her heart before the Lord. You know, the psalmist said, I pour my heart out like water before you. You know, th that means that we're just honest with God. We're transparent.
barren. And there, the psalmist and many others in the Bible were often in these places where they needed God's help desperately. And as they called out to him, he was there. And right now in the middle of whatever you experienced, you know, I have uh, my uh, my, my daughter has two friends of hers whose, uh, parents and my daughter's in her mid twenties and whose parents are, you know, have been married for a very long time or are getting divorced, two of her friends. And that is traumatic for those young women to have had a family unit. And now that's broken. So let's not pretend that we don't feel things. Let's not pretend that our emotions don't get impacted. Let's be real with ourselves and others. And let's trust the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to come and do what he does best and that's heal our emotions. So take some time in the presence of God, just worshiping him, thanking him. And I guarantee you there will be a tangible heavenly presence that will saturate your mind and heal it, that will heal your emotions. Another important aspect of waiting in the Lord and being in the Lord's presence when you've gone through a very difficult season or a circumstance is it gives, you know, just as your natural body needs time to heal, so do your emotions. We need to um, give ourselves permission to recover from things. Take some, you know, some time off from some uh, the activities that you that you normally do. Um, you know, if you don't go to church one Sunday, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm saying it. If you don't go to church one Sunday, you're not going to turn into a pumpkin. You know, you know, maybe you need to spend a morning alone in the presence of the Lord, worshiping Him. Um, you know, here him talk to you. Give some time. I, now, do not say that I said you never go to church. That's not what I said. I said there's many people that, that never stop because if they stop, they don't like what they're going to feel. And so we keep going and going and going and moving and moving and doing and doing. And so what happens is those areas in our soul don't get restored, do not get repaired. And then we go on to make worse decisions or not wise decisions because we're making them out of an unhealed place. I hope that makes sense to you. We make them out of an unhealed place. I've seen often many second marriages that fail because they are, they, 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 the couple has not had enough time to recover and be restored and be renewed. And yes, have their souls repaired from that first marriage. Now that's not always what happens, but it happens a lot. And so we make a decision because we feel lonely or we feel in despair and our world falls apart. And so right away we go to another human to bring that comfort in our lives when really we need to go to the Lord and allow the Lord to heal those emotions for us. So, so far we know that we have to come to the Lord, come into the presence of the Lord and let the water of his word and Holy Spirit refresh us. Then we have to make sure that we give ourselves some time. We, we have to, um, 
we, we it's wise to uh, in those times of waiting on the Lord, listen for him to speak. I recently um, had the privilege of being with another um, powerful uh, female minister, and she was talking about uh, some of the uh, trauma, traumatic events that she had been experiencing and how she had been in a season of prayer recently where all the Lord had told her to do was to sit in his presence and sit in his presence. And she was sharing with me about how difficult of a transition that was because, you know, she was, she knows she's a powerful woman of God who knows the power of prayer and intercession and speaking the word and declaring the promises. But yet in this season, she came to realize that she needed to quiet herself so that she could hear the words from Jesus on how to move forward in her future. So the, those are just some of the insights that I would want to share with you on, on how to move forward out of disappointment. But finally, what I want to share with you is, uh, is a portion of scripture in 2 Corinthians. So let's uh, turn there if we can. Once again, I'm going to be reading out of the voice translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse, uh, let's see here, verse 18. Because our God is always faithful to his promises, our word to you was not both yes and no. Yes, I'll come, and then no, I've changed my mind. For the Son of God, Jesus the Anointed, whom we, Sylvanus, Timothy, and I, have preached to you was not both yes and then no. With him, the answer is always yes. In Jesus, we hear a resounding yes to all of God's many promises. This is the reason we say amen to and through Jesus when giving glory to God. So often when we have walked through a, a very hard season or a very difficult situation or circumstance in our lives, we, when we were walking through that, there was something we were believing. We, we were speaking the word and we were, you know, believing in the promise of God. And when we walk through negative circumstances that seem to negate that, it seems as if that promise is afar off or it's just not truth anymore. And what I want to remind you of today is that God's promises are always yes in Jesus Christ, that in him, there is not a maybe there is just, um, I think I've changed my mind that no matter what you've walked through and how difficult a circumstance it has been, that God's answer to you is yes. Now, the timing of that yes is often the challenge for many of us, but you need to have your heart renewed um, to capture the hope of your promise again that's in Jesus. Don't lay your promise down. Um, so many of us walk through these uh, circumstances that become so that that become so larger than life that you know we can't see the promise anymore. But what you have to do is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The, the writer of Hebrews says, looking to Jesus so that we do not become wearied in our minds. We look to Jesus because in him is the promise. And when you look to him in your heart and in those times of worship, I know for me, I'm reminded 
of how much he loves me, how much that cross was a demonstration of what he was willing, the, the, the um, extremes that he was willing to go to, to make sure that my future was secured and that I could be safe, that he would be able to send Holy Spirit to me, to be with me every single moment of my life. So I would never feel forsaken or without God's love. And if he gave me that, how much more will he not along with Jesus graciously give me all other things I need for my life? That where I've experienced loss, he'll restore that. That where I've suffered pain, you know, let's be real here. You know, we life, life's hard. Life, life could hurt us sometimes, but Jesus is the one. His presence in our lives is what makes our lives beautiful. If it wasn't for him, our life would be ugly. It would be unrepaired with no promise of restoration. So I just want to encourage you today to Keep your eyes on him. Focus your eyes on Jesus. Come into his presence. Um, just revel in, the, in his word and, and remind yourself of his promise that it is still yes. I'll be right back. Throughout time, God has always reserved for himself a remnant, a people fully sold out to his message and willing to pay the price of radical discipleship. While the church and the world lie in crises, a message is sounding once again throughout the corridors of time that God can alter the course of history through a radical few. Consider Moses, the Apostle Paul, Daniel, Noah, Abraham, and Peter, just to name a few sold-out radicals to God's calling. Don't settle for the confines of the ordinary when the Father has set his love on you to be extraordinary. Rise up out of the ashes of loss and disappointment and take hold of the one who makes all things new. Join us on an adventure of faith to experience Christianity the way it is supposed to be. Radical, the radical rising remnant. The latest book from Kathy Bixel. Get your copy now at kathybixel.com. That's K-A-T-H-Y-B-I-C-H-S-E-L.com. KathyBixel.com. As we end our broadcast today, I would love to pray over you, over my audience today, those of you that are listening. Father, I thank you for the power of your word and the power of your spirit. And together, they come together and form an explosion of power in the life of everyone who believes. So, Father, I pray that faith would rise up in the hearts of your people today. No matter what they've walked through, no matter what trauma they have experienced or even right now might be walking through. Father, you said in your word that you are a very present help in time of trouble, along with the the psalmist David, we cry out and pray that for your presence to come and renew and repair and restore right now every damaged emotion of grief or anger or sadness or disappointment or fear. And Father, cause 
hope and joy and peace and happiness to be released into the souls of your people, even now, Father. Holy Spirit, we love you. We are grateful that you are working in our hearts to go deep within us and repair those tracks, those old worn down tracks that we keep riding our train of life on and lay down new tracks in our souls so that we can experience the fullness of the beautiful life that is a yes in Jesus Christ. Thank you once again for being with me today and giving me the wonderful privilege of uh, ministering the word of faith and the word of life and joy to you today. Uh, I reminder again, be sure to email us at info at itsabeautifulliferadio.com. That once again is info at itsabeautifulliferadio.com. Let us know what the Lord has been doing in your life. Send in your prayer requests, your praise reports, and uh, let others know about the broadcast. You know, we are, we um, can do our, our own PR, so to speak, but it's really the word, uh, word of mouth. And uh, once again, these broadcasts are tr- free of charge. The podcasts are available for you also to download on your uh, devices. So be sure to visit our website and find out we, where I'm going to be ministering and what else we have available for you to bless you. I look forward to being with you again next time uh, on our broadcast. And until then, remember that right now in the unseen realm, your Heavenly Father is orchestrating a beautiful outcome to everything you're walking through. God bless you. We trust you enjoyed this episode of It's a Beautiful Life Radio, along with the teaching ministry of Kathy Bixel. For more information about Kathy, her books, downloads and CDs, please visit itsabeautifulliferadio.com. If you are interested in Kathy's teaching schedule, or perhaps you would like her to speak at an event or church near you, please email info at itsabeautifulliferadio.com. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen, as we trust that God's blessing will continue to offer you this beautiful life. So long for now. I'm Kathy Bixell, and welcome to another broadcast of It's a Beautiful Life. I hope that uh, you have been ministered to through our last several broadcasts where we have been talking, or, or I should say I've been ministering to you about the importance of having your soul restored. You know, Jesus gave his life so that we can be made whole, healed, restored spirit soul and body and often as i said in our prior broadcast when we walk through very traumatic experiences in our lives whether it's the loss of a loved loved one an accident uh, a bad diagnosis that we have to that we have to walk through a, a broken relationship a divorce uh, whatever that that might be that in that process that we 
receive some damage or to our emotions. We receive um, hurt and woundedness. And the Lord doesn't want us to stay in that place. He wants us to be restored and be strengthened to move on to the, into the future, the beautiful life that he has for us. And so I, I felt uh, today that I wanted to once again visit the 23rd Psalm. In our last broadcast, I mentioned that I had done a lot of research several years ago on this psalm and discovered some wonderful nuggets of truth that basically are derived from the fact that this psalm was written in by David in a very uh, during a very dramatic and traumatic event in his life. So let's first uh, begin to read from the 23rd Psalm beginning in verse 1 and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to remember that last that last line, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, we'll, we're, we're going to come to find out today that one of the most important things to David in the midst of everything that he was going through was that he could dwell in the house of the Lord, that he could be in that place of worship again with the Lord. So as I said in our last broadcast, too often that we refer to this psalm and, you know, as, as it relates to funerals, we think it's just the funeral psalm. But really, um, I think we, we get that idea because the language in it is so, um, so like mournful in a sense in the beginning when he talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death and, um, and all of that. So we um, automatically assume it's the valley of the shadow of death. But I think when you know um, who your savior is, death is just a transition out of this body into the, in, into the joy of the Lord forever, you know, to, to, uh, and that's another message. So I better not go down that, that trail today, but I, I think you get my point that, uh, uh, death is our, our transition out of this physical body. Yes, our loved ones miss us, but we get to see Jesus face to face and get our resurrected bodies and be with him forever. Um, and also we'll get to see those that have gone on before us. But one of the reasons that I wanted to uh, discuss this in a little bit more detail today is because I know that many of you out there are thinking, well, my situation is so ungodly or so dysfunctional. You know, Kathy, if you knew the drama going on in my family, you, you, you just would go off the air in despair. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that the Bible gives us stories about real people with real life problems, but we also see a God who is real and really loves them and intervenes to bring deliverance and life to them. So in this uh, in this story of uh, of David, what is actually and actually you can look in Second Samuel chapter thirteen, 
verse 1, 2 Samuel 13, verse 1, through chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, verse 8. You can read and study that um, in your own time to get the whole you know, the whole story. But the bottom line is David had some problems at home. Uh, to give you the short version, as I said, this is uh, five chapters long, five or six chapters long in, in your Bibles. So you can read that on your own. But to give you the short version, David had, you know, several children, a lot of children. And uh, he had Absalom was one of his, his sons who was the Bible describes him as, and there's no other way to describe him in our modern vernacular, other than he was a hunk. The Bible says that he cut his hair every year and weighed it. And it was, uh, 200 shekels. If you're interested in the math on that, I believe it's, um, something like five pounds. His hair alone weighed over five pounds. That's a lot of hair. Anyway, we don't want to dwell on that too much. <laughs> but anyway, um, so he there was Absalom and his brother Ammon, Amnon, and he had uh, also a beautiful sister. Absalom had a, had a sister by the same mother named Tamar. Amnon, who was their half-brother, actually, he was a, a son that David had with, a, with, uh, with, another, uh, with another mother, okay, are you getting the picture here? This is not, you know, we think these people in the Bible had the most perfect home lives and they didn't as we can see here. So what happened here is that Amnon began to develop an ungodly physical passion for Tamar and they had a cousin Jonadab. Okay. So now the cousins are involved and, uh, Amnon tells Jonadab how much he feels he's falling in love with his sister. So Jonadab has this bright idea that what he should do is fake that he's sick and then call the king, call King David. When King David comes to see him and sees how sick he is, that he should say what would make him feel better is if his half-sister Tamar would come and feed him. And so that's exactly what happens. David, uh, David, falls for it and sends Tamar into his, you know, into his house to go nurse him back to health. And while she is there, he expresses, um, Amnon expresses to his sister, this, you know, ungodly attraction he has in our world, it would be called incest. Um, he, he expresses that and she, he just begins to, you know, move on her physically. And she says, you know, Hey, back off Jack. If we just tell our father, then maybe he will give me, uh, to you to wed. And he doesn't buy that. And it, in, you'll read this in your Bible. What he does is he rapes her and it is a horrible disgrace. Absalom, who is, uh, also their brother gets very upset and bitter and he begins to plan on how he can he can kill Amnon so that his his sister's um, honor will be restored. I hope you're getting the picture here that this is extreme reality TV that this household, the king's kids, King David of Israel has dysfunction junction going on in his household. Okay. And what, um, what ends up happening is Absalom brings the, most of the family arranges a family trip to a sheep shearing festival. I guess they come in handy when needed and arranges for Amnon to be killed while the whole family is away. So that's exactly what happens. Um, Amnon is killed and, uh, the other sons flee back to David. They're broke. 
David is brokenhearted. He weeps bitterly. So now David is experiencing the death of, of one of his sons and Absalom runs away to another city. So there's this enormous strife in his house. Absalom stays away for a few years as the story progresses, but eventually he makes his way home. His father greets him, gives him the kiss of, of acceptance. He's happy to see his son return home, but Absalom begins to manipulatively draw the hearts of the people in of Israel to him. And to make a long story short, he arranges a takeover of his father's leadership and David ends up fleeing for, for his life from, from Jerusalem. Now this, I want you to see this, that not only now has his son died, his one son died, his daughter's been raped, his other daughter's been raped, his son that's been back now re returns and instead of it ultimately being a happy time of restoration, this son betrays him, meets the people at the gate, uh, gets their affection, and then goes in and takes over the household, and David ends up fleeing into the wilderness. Let me read you, uh, beginning in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. So David David says to Itay, go on and pass over the Kidron. And Itay the Gittite passed over and all his men and all the little ones who were with him, all of David's household, his servants, his children, everyone had to flee into the wilderness. Verse 23, all the country wept with a loud voice as all the people passed over. So you can get the sense of the level of mourning that this family was experiencing. The king crossed the book, the brook Kidron and all the people went on toward the wilderness. Abiathar the priest um, and Zadok came also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God until all the people had gone from the city. Then the king told Zadok, take back the ark of God to the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his house. See, the most important thing to David was not all his possessions and everything else. What was so important to David was he felt that he would be banished from that place of worshiping the presence of the Lord. He wanted to be in the house of the Lord. He wanted to be by the ark of God. And, uh, but if he says, I have no delight in you, then here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. So here is David. You can just feel the sorrow in his voice. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his house. But if he says, I have no delight in you, then here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. You could feel that David was uh, mournful. And, and in his, his emotions were just spent and is basically like, I can't deal with this family stuff anymore. I have got to trust that the Lord, I am trusting for his favor. Just bring the ark back and see what happens. The king also said to Zadok, the priest, are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace and your two sons with you. Verse 28, see, I will wait at the fords at the Jordan of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Zadok, therefore, and Abiathar carry the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they stayed there. And verse 30, and David went up over the Mount of Olives and wept as he went 
barefoot and his head covered, and all the people who were with him covered their heads, weeping as they went. Wow, we see such a prophetic picture of Jesus as he went, as he went, uh, to the Mount of Olives. Uh, just, uh, just picture this. And David went up over the Mount of Olives and wept as he went barefoot and his head covered and all the people who were with him covered their heads, weeping as they went. You know, David also had his experience at Ziglag. If you remember that story, he had his experience at Ziglag and the Bible says he wept until he could weep no more. But I want those of you out there who have been in a season of feeling like you could, you have been weeping, like you can weep no more, that you have a savior who loves you and wants to restore your emotions. It was in this place, waiting in the wilderness, that David penned the 23rd Psalm and wrote these, these powerful words that we, that, that have been in the history of the church for thousands of years. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Once again, as I said last week, what David does is he begins to worship. He goes up the mountain the in, we see here in these words the intensity of his passion for the presence of God. He has to look into the face of God on that mountain and then declare with his mouth that in the midst of all of this fam family turmoil and national disgrace, that God can still be his savior. He says, "Only goodness and mercy." Only prosperity shall follow me all the days of my life. He begins to declare who God is, even in the midst of his sorrow. Psalm 23 is the revelation of this mountaintop experience in the wilderness. You know, so often we think that David's life was just this one, you know, this one experience, 10 year, um, you know, fugitive experience running from Saul um, and that he got this breakthrough and that he sat happily on the throne the rest of his life. But we have to realize that that was when, when David was delivered from Saul, that was one breakthrough. He lived a, like, a life like we do, where rest comes for a while, you know, in terms of maybe an attack from the enemy, but life demands a steady focus on God's gracious love and delivering hand, because the enemy is always coming to steal our beautiful life. Didn't David experience that? He wanted a beautiful home. And yet, when we read the, the Psalms that David David ultimately described about his life, which are the basis of the foundation of this broadcast. The Lord has given me a beautiful life because he saw the Lord through all his loss and his pain. He saw the Lord restore to him peace and joy and life and a legacy to where through his loins came the Messiah. As David is in the wilderness with nothing, it is only in, uh, you'll read in subsequent chapters where Barzillai comes and brings him raisins and cakes. He has no, no sustenance. He's out there without anything. But in it, in the midst of that, he sees the figure of the good shepherd and he declares that he is the one preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When Barzillai, um, as I said before, I can't go 
uh, go to these verses because of time. But when Barzillai brings provision, it's there that David says, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When uh, David pens, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in the Tanakh Bible, which is the uh, the the uh, scriptures in the original Hebrew, it is it, it translates. Uh, the shadow of death as the valley of the deepest darkness. In the Hebrew language, that word describes the most fearful darkness as of Hades. It's uh, used to describe a shaft or a mine of darkness where someone is felt uh, to feel completely isolated. But David says, I fear no evil. He fears no misfortune because he knows the shepherd is standing there protecting him with his staff and rod. In 2 Samuel 17, verse 27, where we read about Barzillai uh, bringing the food and the sustenance to him, um, we see the, the, the truth that God will send you people in your pain. God will send you people in those situations where you are suffering and feel like there's no way out. God will send his angels to strengthen you. He will provide for you just like he did for David. Under our new covenant with Jesus Christ, we, we see the figure of David ascending the Mount of Olives. It's a figure, a type and a shadow of what Jesus did for us so that as we under the new covenant walk in this earth, the wilderness, we walk in this earth, there is a covenant table just as there was for David laid out for him. There is a covenant table that is loaded up with all the benefits of our salvation. And so as we walk through our dark, uninhabited deserts, as we walk through those places where it feels, and notice I said feels, feels like God has forsaken us. We are able to renew our minds with the truth, just as David did. He renewed his mind with the truth by singing, by, by worshiping. The first thing he did was he ascended up the Mount of Olives. He wanted to go to that, that place to, to worship. And so it says in Hebrews chapter three, verse one, it says, our dear friends, our companions in following this call to the high Take a good, hard look at Jesus. We need to do the same. We need to, in our, in our place where we have just been wearied in our minds, we need to do what the writer of Hebrews says, to look to Jesus, to look to him, take a good, long, hard look at him. It says here, he's the centerpiece of everything we believe. Not take a hard look at your circumstances. See, if David at that time, if he didn't look to God in worship, if he didn't look to, to the eternal God in worship, and all he did was look at the devastation in his household, he would have been undone. You know, in Psalm 2713, there's another, uh, Psalm that he writes, and he writes, I would have fainted unless I had believed. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David was saying, I would have perished. I would have had no strength unless I believed that God was good and would rescue me. There's one uh, translation. It's actually the Net Bible that translates Psalm 27:13 as the following: Where 
where would I be if I did not believe I would experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living? And so what I want to say to you, like David, today is you need to ask yourself that question, where would I be if I did not believe that I would see an experience? I love that that um, that word that that translation uses, that I would not experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living. Our God is a good God. He's a loving God. His nature is to heal, to restore. And so by bringing you through this, uh, this biblical drama today, my intent was for you to see that there is nothing that you are walking through that is not redeemable. There's nothing in your past that God cannot wipe the slate clean and rebuild your life. We see how God did that with David and his life was just a a beautiful life. And at the end, um, one of the most powerful things about David's life I find found uh, is what he prayed and what was said of him at the end of his life. And I'll read that to you when we, when we come back. My announcer has a brief message for you, and then we'll be right back to finish today's broadcast. Meditations for Divine Healing. In this three-part audio series, you will find scripture meditations for divine life, health, and wealth as the scriptures are brought to life with the accompaniment of instrumental sounds you will be encouraged by the power of God's spoken word meditations for divine life will set you free from that old life of sin fear addictions and depression releasing you into a life filled with righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit meditations for divine health gives you a daily dose of God's medicine and fills you in on all your benefits. Meditations for Divine Wealth edifies you to be like the patriarch Isaac, who while meditating looked up and saw his camels coming, which was God's provision. This set will elevate your faith to the forefront in calling these areas in your life as though they are. Visit KathyBixel.com to purchase your choice of either a CD or an MP3 download. That's K-A- T-H-Y-B-I-C-H-S-E-L.com, KathyBixel.com. As we close out today's broadcast, I want to read to you out of 2 Samuel chapter 22, uh, the last words of David. Now, these are the last words of David. I'm, I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. Now, these are the last words of David, the son of Jesse. And this is what he says. The man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord spoke in and by me, and his word was upon my tongue. The God of Israel spoke The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over men righteously, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light. When the sun rises on a cloudless morning, when the tender grass springs out of the earth through clear shining after rain, truly does not my house stand so with God. For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure. For will he not cause to prosper 
all my help and all my desire. The voice translation translates it as this. Isn't this how God has raised up my house? Won't he make all things to grow and prosper? Save me and give me all I desire. That's his final words, the epitaph, so to speak, on his life. What I want you to know today is that there is a good ending in store for you. That God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That he, his eye is on you to deliver you. You need to look to him. You need to worship him and know that your situation, you know, the Bible says in, in first Corinthians that there is no situation, no circumstance that is not common to man. And I, I pray that you saw that today because so often we focus on the magnitude of what we're walking through. You know, I pastored for 14 years and in that time I have heard, you know, it gets to the point where when someone tells you, boy, I have something to tell you, I'm like, oh, no, you don't. I think I've pretty much heard everything. And just when you think you've heard everything, you know, we're humankind is fallen and unless we are renewed and we are, our, our emotions are healed and we're walking with God. There's the capacity for people to hurt you, for circumstances to happen that you would never believe that would happen. You know, there's times that people marry the wrong person and, and I'm not talking marrying the wrong person because they don't pick up their socks. I'm talking marrying the wrong person because they, they, they're the wrong person that they're, they're not redeemed and they have ungodly behaviors and they, they do wicked things in a relationship. I mean, this is the reality, the reality show of the world right now. But we have a Savior that will never leave us or forsake us, whose goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives. And though we walk through the darkest turmoil, He will restore us our souls. And so I say to you to fear not that the Lord is with you. And I would, you know, pray that the Lord sends you those that can walk with you through the situations that you're going through. Trust him for your barzillai. My life has been so enriched by the people in my life that, you know, have been with me through thick and thin, through up and down. And that is the beauty of David's life story, as I think it's a type of how we walk in this life, that there is a warfare that is waged around us all the time, but our focus isn't to be on the warfare. Our focus is to be on the warrior, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah who went before us and secured us the victory so that in all things we always triumph because there isn't a circumstance on the earth that could ever separate you from his love. Thank you so much for joining me today on the broadcast, and I invite you to continue to tune in. We're getting some wonderful feedback of how the broadcast is blessing people's lives and encouraging them. And, you know, I have the easy part, and that's just being the donkey who delivers the word. All of this is God's heart and His will for you, that you experience a beautiful life. Thank you once again for joining me today. Don't forget to send me any emails uh, that you might like to contact us. Give us your prayer requests. That is uh, info 
at itsabeautifullife.com, info at itsabeautifullife.com. We want to hear your stories and stay connected to our listeners. God loves you. He thinks you're awesome, and he has a beautiful plan for your life. We trust you enjoyed this episode of It's a Beautiful Life Radio, along with the teaching ministry of Kathy Bixell. For more information about Kathy, her books, downloads, and CDs, please visit itsabeautifulliferadio.com. If you are interested in Kathy's teaching schedule, or perhaps you would like her to speak at an event or church near you, please email info at itsabeautifulliferadio.com. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen as we trust that God's blessing will continue to offer you this beautiful life. So long for now.